This podcast is meant for general health information and is not meant to override any medical advice. All questions will be screened and not contain any personal information. If you want a private consultation, contact us via positivechoice.org or you can contact your provider directly. Thank you and enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to Positive Choice Wellness Podcast. My name is Annalise. I'm an exercise physiologist and nutritionist. And my name is Melanie. I'm also an exercise physiologist and nutritionist. And we have a very special guest today. Hello, Shannon Nolte. Hello. (laughs) So Shannon is a... She's tall. She's tall. I have to point that out. I am tall and she is tall. Tall Girls Club. (laughs) I'm feeling left out now. Yeah, you're short. Well, <laughs> womp womp. <laughs> Get out. I'm done. I'm done. Fine. <laughs> so um, Shannon is a, a health educator here with us and clearly very funny as well. <laughs> but she has, she has a really strong background in eating disorders and um, she's from Texas. Yes. And she's about five years working with with individuals around relationship with food. And so I am super excited to have you here today. I'm excited to talk about this subject because this is one of my favorites, which is our relationship with food. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a big one. It's surprising how much it takes up, you know, of our day when we stop and think about just how comprehensive, like if we thought about a person as much as we interact with food, Right? Like that would be a, someone we hang out with all the time. Yes. Yeah. And, and when you think about food mm-hmm. and the way that you interact with food in your life, it definitely represents a type of relationship. Yeah, it's definitely. not just you're eating because you're hungry. Like we eat to entertain ourselves. Mm-hmm. We eat to comfort ourselves, to love ourselves. Right. It's so complex. Um, yeah, it's multifaceted and... Um, it's, it's fascinating for a lot of reasons, culturally, biologically, um, psychologically. Yeah, there's a lot that goes on with it, for sure. So so can you give us some background, Shannon? What, what brought you into this field? What got your interest peaked with this? Yeah, so um, you know, through my undergrad and just through myself, like I've always been interested in kind of how our, um, how our brain and our mind um, interpret our, our body, right? So whether that's, um, you know, our hunger cues, whether that's natural processes, it could be our sexuality, there's things that our brain interprets about what goes on in our body. And then we have this whole dynamic um, experience with what our body naturally does, our judgments, our perceptions, is that right, is that wrong? So I've always been fascinated by that. And so um, I got into the counseling field um, to help uh, learn more about that. And then I got really into the eating disorder community. And um, so I worked in a private practice where I got to see a lot of people, you know, um, outpatient settings. So seeing them once a week and developed my interest. And then I, I was like, I need to learn more about this and how, um, how to really help and see how, how it can get um, really manifested in a negative way, right? So then I went into the treatment center and I learned so much and I worked with um, all the way up to the inpatient level of care. So it's been a really fascinating journey just to see, you know, all spectrums of that relationship with food and even how it um, encompasses itself in the family dynamic too. So, um, because I did a lot of family counseling um, as well with um, those with the eating disorders. So it's been 
something I've been interested in and then developed over time. So it's, I think it's a fascinating subject. And then it's so perfect yeah. for you to have that reference working here mm -hmm. because here you're working with our medical weight management mm -hmm. and with our pre-bariatric surgery program. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's been very fun because, uh, you know, it's the same thing, right? Like it's that relationship with, um, it's not just losing weight. It's not just um, taking pounds off. It's a whole lifestyle. It's a whole um, way we way we perceive food and the way we even trust our, our own bodies to tell us what we need and tell us what um, when we're hungry or when we're full and that we can trust ourselves and that, you know, if I eat a certain thing, it's not going to, um, you know, make me gain 10 pounds automatically, but I can trust that it's going to digest and it'll be okay. Or I can have one piece of cake and stop there. You know? Okay. Yeah. And, you know, th th it's an interesting point you bring up because I feel like... I I personally would resonate with not trusting myself sometimes. So not to dig into my own psyche, but just in everyone else's mm -hmm. psyche, where do you think that lack of trust <laughs> manifests? You know, like why would someone not trust what their body is going to be capable of doing? Where do you think that stems from? Or, you know, if that's too far deep, like what can you do to navigate mm -hmm. that once you're there? Yeah. So, I mean, even if you think about, um, and I love that you, you brought that up because I, I mean, even myself, like there's sometimes where I'm like, can I trust myself with that bag of chips? Like, you <laughs> no, know, no, no, no. And so, <laughs> right. So I think it's a really natural thing because um, and there's a lot of layers to it. So even if you think about, like like you were talking earlier, Annalise, about how um, it's similar to a relationship with a person, right? If you've had a negative experience with a person over and over and over, we're going to learn not to trust them, right? Um, and the same thing can go with like certain types of foods. If we have a lot of experience with, say, I mean, there's my hot button chips, right? Like we're gonna have, like if I always had a bag of chips and I never set any parameters around it or I never worked on setting boundaries or being mindful around that bag of chips and I continuously had the same experience, I would probably learn not to trust myself around those chips or learn to not be able to, um, I need just not have them anywhere near me or else I can't, um, you know, I can't control myself. And so I think that's part of it. But then there's also like the societal, you know, diet culture of like, these are the good foods, these are the bad foods. Yep. And even healthy, unhealthy has kind of this. We um, categorize them, right? Yeah. Like it's good, it's bad, it's, it's, you know, I should or I shouldn't. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like we have this whole like um, meta emotional experience around our foods. It's not just so much like, this is good, I enjoyed it, I'm full. It's like, I, it's, this tastes good. I'm a bad person because I ate it. I should have stopped. Um, why can't I do this? Like I said, I would. I want more of this now. Oh, that's bad. You know, like all these experiences that kind of come with it. So um, I think it is developed over time. And um, if we don't know the tools to start building trust with ourselves um, of how to set appropriate boundaries or how to um, allow myself to have something that I enjoy and be okay, then it's... Um, we just don't know until we know sometimes. I talked about the testing, the cookie butter, the last time we, the, well, not the last time, but a, a little bit ago. And I was like, I just went back and checked it for poison. I just kept checking, just, you know, like every 10 minutes. 
Um, and that's one of those foods that I don't yeah. in the house. So do you think it's like an end all be all? Like if you, if you recognize like maybe that's probably not a wise idea and you keep it away forever. Is there at any point a chance that you could reintroduce it back into your life in a healthy way? Or is that like, nope, we're done. That's not happening. <laughs> no, don't do that. You need the cookie butter in your life. No. Uh, butter, just, it, it might be poisonous. I, I have to check for I everyone's just, safety. There's probably arsenic. Yeah. yeah I need exactly. to know. And no one, no one should have that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I think that that's a great question because, you know, so much of like, again, the diet culture is like, it's all or nothing. Like I either have all of the cookie butter or like none of the cookie butter. Right. And so that can create the idea of like deprivation, like those feelings of like, well, I need this because it's now a bad food or a no, no food. And I'm thinking about it more and it's almost an obsession. So there is definitely hope for, you know, being able to have things in moderation, but setting appropriate, like, or making appropriate plans, I should say, based on where your, you know, level of ability to manage urges are, right? So if you're in a stage where having that at home, free for, it, free for all ability to have it, that may, and, and you just can't control yourself, that might be one time to say like, okay, maybe that's something that we buy sparingly and... Um, with many people around. Many people share. around, yes. Uh, it goes home with someone else. Um, but then maybe you can work up to, I can have it in the, the pantry and um, be okay with it. Um, it's uh, a lot about learning to delay gratification. Um, thinking about like, what's this taste really gonna get me? Is it something that I, you know, ultimately, you know, ultimately is gonna satisfy me, I'm gonna feel good afterwards, or is it a craving that is momentary and I can let it pass? Um, and it, part of that is that, exploration of self, which I think it goes back to is like learning to trust yourself that I can have a craving, I can have an urge, and I don't have to act on it. Um, learning to trust that, you know, it's not going to stay there forever. And it probably encompasses a little bit of like falling down on the way, yeah. and picking yourself back up, like, well, if I ate the whole jar of cookie butter, I guess I won't do that for a while. And maybe a month goes by, yeah. like, let me try again. I love that. Yes, it's <laughs> such, you're so right. It is such a learning process. And you're, you're not going to, you know, learn to ride a bike without taking those training wheels off and falling on your face. Yeah, great. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but no, I'm a big fan of like, you know, practice, you you fail a little bit, you go back on track. Not I don't even say fail, but like, you know, you you, fall, you go off the path, you come back on, you go back off again. Um, Urban off-roading. Yeah, Got totally. <laughs> Just give yourself some grace. Okay. And I think timing has to be right on that too, mm -hmm. because we're not always in the right mindset to yeah. tackle those kind of things. So when I think about, you know, having something in the house that's that's a trigger food, if it's a real trigger food for me, if I'm under high stress, just having it in the house is kind of setting myself up for failure with that. So I think maybe introducing some some mindfulness of like, mm -hmm. okay, I'm in a good place, my stress management is good, and I'm gonna take this one item to practice. Yeah the not indulging mm -hmm. and then I love that tying in the trust in yourself mm -hmm. so every time you say no to the cookie butter and it sits in your pantry you gain trust in your ability yeah. to resist it right and even looking too at the idea of like okay say maybe last time I had cookie butter I maybe lasted 30 minutes before you know I was it. I it was too high of an urge, and I went back for more. Right? Maybe next time I lasted a whole day. Right? 
Like it's maybe you still engage in, in overeating, but maybe you overeat a little less. Maybe you wait a longer period of time in between those instances. So there's ways that you can also track your ability to gain trust. It's not like an on and off switch. It's, you know, you build it in small doses and looking for those kind of um, small victories too. Like you said, you can really build that trust. So it's not like a black or white thing, like you either succeed or you fail. Yeah. It's, it's really just, no, okay, you pick the silver lining of what happened in that situation. Yep. What did you do well? Okay, well, mm-hmm. you lasted a couple hours longer than last time. Yeah. Good for you. Let's do this again. Totally. Which, I mean, obviously, I don't think it's probably wise to get cookie butter like every day and test that theory, <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> this is the hypothetical cookie butter trust scenario. You do it every season, Bradley. Every so yeah. many months, you try again. You're like, wait a minute. Or maybe even less than that. Yeah. You know, it's at your discretion, obviously. Right. I don't think I would buy cookie butter that often, knowing what I can do. <laughs> and yeah, we all have that hot button uh, food item, like you know, you're saying, Annalise, or it's like, that's our trigger food. And maybe this is just one that I know when I'm really stressed not to have around as much because we just maybe know that that's um, one to one we have trouble with when we're high stress. <laughs> okay, so on this mm-hmm. subject, and I'm interested to get your, your feedback yeah. on this, what you think about this. So Janine Roth, mm-hmm. right? Um, if you guys don't, if you're not familiar with Janine Roth, she talks a lot about compulsive eating, mm-hmm. addictive behaviors. She has fantastic books. Yeah. Part of something that she always suggests around if you have compulsiveness around food is allowing yourself to have. So a big part of feeling that denial is is not allowing yourself to have and feeling deprived. So one of the things that she touches on is okay, well, now you're going to allow yourself to have these trigger foods, mm-hmm. but you're going to do it mindfully. And and her idea is that that, that kind of takes them off that pedestal. Mm-hmm. What, what are your thoughts about that and how that might play out in real life? Oh, I love it. Um, I think that that is the best way to demystify, you know, the power of a food, right? Like if you allow yourself something that you is a no-no food or something that I have no control over, but you have it in a um, planned out, controlled, mindful setting, that's that trust building with yourself. That's showing that I can have a different experience and it can potentially be a positive one. Um, Even in the treatment center, that's a lot of what the work was, was, you know, having uh, meals with people to help, you know, demystify some of the fears around it. What's going on in your head right now when you have this cupcake? What's you know, what are you fearful that's going to happen? Or um, how can you deep breathe? What are some things you can focus on other than, you know, what, you know, what the what the ingredients are, or even how can I slow down so I can actually taste the food versus eat it so quickly that it's just gone, right? And so it, it really does, um, I, it's a great way to um, change that dynamic and um, show that you can have a different experience. The food really has no power, right? Um, it's our perception of the food that has the power. And so, yeah, I, I, th- I love that philosophy of, um, allowing yourself space and doing it on your terms. So, mm-hmm. so then, I guess we, uh, this will kind of lead into the next one. Like when we talk about diet culture, mm-hmm. then. So, ooh yes, yes. Get yeah, into diet culture. <laughs> diet culture. So, how do you think that's shaping these behaviors and this thought process? You know, because the diet culture is rampant. There's so many fad diets out these days. I couldn't even count. So, how is that really causing it? Some of this like dis 
this connection with food and making food a little bit more special or not as special or, you know, significant or insignificant, et cetera? Yeah. I mean... It's a big question. You I can know. break it down. Break it down. What yeah. is diet culture? <laughs> let's start, let's start diet with diet culture. It's what so do we much. Mean by diet I know. Culture? So diet culture is like anything that's like a marketing tool to sell something so you lose weight often as quick as possible, often it's a product that you have to buy, or often it's getting rid of like certain food groups or working out a, you know, a ton. Basically, you're not good enough as you are, right? Like you have to change you. Um, and I, there's, I mean, there's so much that can go into like how that can play a role because again, foods are good or bad. This is a plan that's, you know, very perfectionistic. Um, it, or it feeds into that perfectionistic mindset of like, I have, if I don't do it perfectly, then I'm no good. Um, and then it's like, and this is the part I hate the most. And I just want to like, it's like food then becomes punishment right? And so does exercise. Both are wonderful, glorious things. But like, when you think about it, right? Like, so often what happens with getting into the diet cycle is like, you know, maybe I've had a few days, a few months, whatever the case, whatever the time period of, you know, overeating or eating bad foods or the things that are no good for me, you know, yada, yada, yada. So then we go super restrictive to the other end. Um, which becomes a punishment, right? It's like the hedonist on the one side, but then the punishment is like, you know, the kale and the lean proteins and all the things that they say are the super healthy ones. And then we punish ourselves further by exercising probably way past our points of like, you know, you guys see it, I'm sure, like, you know, Doing way things you don't yeah. enjoy, like do that, like running. If Every, you don't like running, yes. don't do it. <laughs> you guys, yeah. And so it's like those things become punishment, which are, can be really super positive healthful, joyful things. And then so obviously I don't want to punish myself for too long. So I go back to the hedonist side and then it's, you know, this cycle of like, you know, overeat, restrict, punish myself, go back, um, hedonist, try to soothe myself for the things like that I've done. So it's yeah. like a toxic food culture yeah. in your own head. It's like the bad boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just need to like get, get rid of a relationship. He's not good for you. I know. <laughs> oh. And this is rampant in, now I'm just going to speak for women because clearly I'm not, I'm not mm -hmm. a man. So who knows what they do in their, you know, little boy's time. But, <laughs> but as a woman, I know that this, this idea mm -hmm. runs rampant in, in our friendship circles in our yeah. lives, because more often than not, when you are out to dinner with a group of girlfriends, inevitably someone says something along the lines of, oh, I'm eating this and like, I, I better work out for two hours tomorrow. Right. Or there's some comment about how many calories are in it or how bad you're being. And or I'll, I'll skip a meal tomorrow so I can make up yeah. for it. Yeah, right. Th this, this idea that just having, you know, high calorie food or let's say low nutrition food mm -hmm. or quote unquote bad food, that suddenly you have to sit around and qualify why you right. deserve to be eating it. It's nonsense. Yes. And it, and it goes the exact opposite way, too, where people just do it because they don't care either. They're like, I know this is bad. I don't care anymore. Yeah. I've seen that a lot where someone's like, I just eat this because I don't, I, it doesn't matter. Nothing I do works. So whatever. Right. Well, and even just that mindset is already, you know, 
their mind is already cueing them, I'm doing something bad, so then I have to qualify mm-hmm. it with, oh, I don't care. I don't care anymore. Yeah, it's Nothing preserving works. the ego, right? You have to justify everything we do, so that's fair. Everything, every, yeah. Think about it. Everything you do, you have to have an excuse or reason why you do it. <laughs> Everyone does something. They go, wait, wait, why do I do that? Oh, because of this weird, obscure thing I put in my own brain. Okay. <laughs> cool. <laughs> the stories we tell ourselves. I know. Yeah. It's so self-made. <laughs> it's like it goes back. It's like, who can I blame? Oh, Okay, that's me. Yeah. No, 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 no. It was someone else. Yeah. They, they force fed me. They pinned me down. They fed me food. It was their fault, not mine. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I think it's true. Like we do have, we have this like desire to qualify, um, like or make up for or like justify our like own enjoyment or our own pleasure or our own you know experience that you know maybe who cares right like who like um, yeah it's it's interesting even the idea of like portion size right like um if you've ever eaten with someone who announces their portion size like oh I could never eat this much or I um I can't believe I did this much or um yeah it's like all I think there is a lot of qualifying and announcing and um comparing right of like um am I feeding myself in alignment with how everyone else is feeding themselves Mm. Like yeah, the salad conundrum where one person orders a salad and everyone at the table starts to order yeah. salads because yes. they don't want to be the one person not eating a salad. I love your salad analogies. I use them all the time. <laughs> Does Melanie have more salad analogies? I feel like yes. I, I feel probably like, do. I don't know. I have to think about them. If, if you don't, I'm confabulating it in my mind and I'm <laughs> associating it with you. But in my head, you are the salad analogy queen. Just because that was my go-to when I was trying to be healthy with salad, so I guess that's why. It's very effective. <laughs> Personal experience it brings upon good analogies, I suppose. Uh, go, going back to the the qualifying, mm-hmm. I'm kind. I I tend to think that that goes back to the kind of culture that we live in as far as expectations mm-hmm. around. You should, you know, as a woman, take up as little space as possible which means you eat as little as possible. You eat dainty, healthy foods. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even <laughs> the salad reminds me of like dating culture, yeah. right? As a woman, you don't go on a date and order a burger. You go on a date and you order right. a salad. That's... And then you're the cool girl if you order a burger. Right. Like, so you, you don't care. Right. But you have to work out extra hard and stay thin in order to be justified to have that burger yes yeah we want you um skinny and polite and perfect looking but then we also want you to be the cool girl that drinks Mm -hmm. a bunch of beer and eats half a thing of pizza right yeah be all the things (laughs) and then apologize for it when you're with your girlfriends Uh, it's, it's the the diet culture really <laughs> does truly affect that, that that mindset though because diet culture kind of trains you to be that way in a sense where you can't enjoy things and ju- there's mm-hmm. no justification for it unless it's some form of punishment yeah. it truly is and it's frustrating to see that really because I want the burger right <laughs> so we get the burger because I want it not because I have to justify why I'm getting it like no I wanted it it sounded good I'm gonna eat it right and even with cheese on it yeah. even with cheese on it it's we can have burgers and we can have a healthy lifestyle, right? It's that balance. And I think that that does go back to like, you know, how do I allow myself to have good things that I enjoy, not go to the hedonistic, you know, far side where it's like all the time that's nothing but, and 
allow myself some space. Having like that relationship with food is like, I can have that burger with cheese and enjoy it and not feel guilty about it. It's almost and empowering because you're, you're allowing yourself to enjoy something and mm-hmm. that's empowering in and of itself because it's not this, oh, you shouldn't have done that. It's, oh, I wanted to and I did. Right. Ha ha. <laughs> what are you going to do now? Yeah. And I think <laughs> Take it from me. <laughs> <laughs> and that does demystify it, right? Like if we think about like obsessions, right? Like if we have an obsession about something, typically when we, you know, like is the stove on? If I go and check that, you know, speaking on a normal spectrum, right? If I go and check that the stove is actually off, I don't worry about it anymore, right? If I'm not no longer obsessing about it. Same thing goes, if I have this burger that I've been craving that sounds really good to me, if I let myself have it, I am satisfied. Maybe it was as good as I wanted. Maybe it wasn't as good as I wanted. The obsession's gone until I decide I want to crave it again, right? But if we live in that, no, I can't have it. No, I can't have it. No, I can't have it. And then it's like, I'm at a 10 for wanting this burger. I'm going to eat it so fast. I can't even taste it. Um, I'm going to want like five more so I can actually taste it, feel really full, probably not enjoy it as much, but it's the process of eating it and squashing that obsession, right? Yeah. And you know, what I see a lot of times with a lot of folks, probably including myself, to be completely honest Mm -hmm. with this, if I want something and fixate on something like that, I'll eat around it. I'll eat all the things that I can find that are like it, but they're not quite what I want. And then at the end of the day, I'm like, I ate like 5,000 calories. I never got the burger. Right. (laughs) Right. So just have the burger if you want it. Yeah. I'm with you on that. Like that happens or even same thing goes with like, um, our emotional craving, like, right? Like if I need comfort or if I need um, to de-stress, we'll maybe eat around that instead of like doing some mindfulness or doing some, like mm-hmm. taking some care of myself or journaling or talking to whoever I need to talk to. Um, it's like the thing to do to get around <laughs> what I really am craving, right? You don't, you don't own that you want it. Yeah. So you eat everything else that you can justify that's not it right. until finally you say, screw it, I don't care, I'm gonna have this thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've done, I maybe have done that a lot in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that there's power to be gained, though, in that moment of, of mindfulness mm-hmm. as well. Because we decide we want things for a lot of different mm-hmm. reasons. And then we decide we can't have them or we can have them for a lot of different mm-hmm. reasons that don't necessarily have anything to do with the food right. as well. Right. Yeah. I think that's so... Um, it's not about the food sometimes. Like you said, it's like, um, it's that I had a really hard day and I just want to relax and unwind. Maybe it's that I had a really boring day in quarantine and I need something to excite me or, you know, it's sometimes not about it. And I think sometimes we do have to be creative and sometimes we have to forgive ourselves if we don't have the tools in that moment to always know exactly what we want. Or maybe in hindsight, we could see what we couldn't see in that moment also. So it is a learning process and um, that mindfulness does help us, you know, tap in and um, be non-judgmental of where we are and what we need or what we want. Right, and, and why why we might be associating wanting mm-hmm. something. So going back to what you were saying about defining foods as like good, bad, mm-hmm. healthy, unhealthy. Well, the second I decide that like, chocolate cake which as i'm saying this i'm like this whole podcast is going to trigger people but <laughs> i think the same thing we've gotten like the whole gambit but but like if i decide that xyz is off limits 
I decide that I am overweight. I have to fix this thing. Only thin people get to mm-hmm. eat chocolate cake, which I hear this all the time. Drives with, me crazy. Yeah. With, our, with our patients, with our clientele of, of well, so-and-so can have this mm-hmm. unhealthy thing because they don't have a weight problem. So the idea is that only you only deserve these foods that you might want if you don't have a weight problem. Right. And then now, regardless of whether I want it, whether I enjoy it, my brain has decided I want to feel like someone who is allowed to have the chocolate cake. Yeah. So now I want the chocolate cake, and it has nothing to do with whether I want it, whether I would enjoy it. It just has to do with I want to feel like I'm someone who can have. Yeah. Oh, that's so powerful. Yeah, because it's, it's reclaiming that I, I deserve something I want, right? Like I am worth this chocolate cake. And then it becomes linked with that, right? Um, makes me feel like empowered in those moments when maybe I am feeling lower, like I can. But it's probably that punishment reward cycle then too. So there's yeah. a, there's that fine line between recognizing what you want and indulging in it in a mindful way yeah. versus doing it out of spite of whatever's going on in your life. Like, but I deserve it. Like it, it's breaking right. apart those two things because we're what we're saying is you can have that chocolate cake. <laughs> Just how you go about it is what matters the most. Mm-hmm. Are you saying I can have it because I am a, an adult and I can have cake? Or are you saying it because, well, I had a rough week and you know things mm-hmm. weren't going well and I, you know, I need this because you know, it's been this and blah, blah, blah. Like we can make all these excuses for it or we can just own the fact that we just want the stupid cake. Yeah. Just eat the cake. <laughs> well, and that you're being mindful of where your want mm-hmm. comes from. Yeah. Because want is very contextual. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. And, you know, are we, you know, are we aware of our choices, essentially? Like, are we mindfully choosing based on, you know, our gut or our core or like, you know, true intuition, all that jazz? Or is it a reflexive, subconscious, mindless, you know, grab and go type thing? Because um, really, who who's driving the car? That's just... You know, the food doesn't have the power again. We do. <laughs> no, no, it is in that yeah. car. Catch that bagel. <laughs> we are in charge. It's just sometimes we aren't aware that we're driving, right? Oh, I love that. Sometimes <laughs> we aren't aware that we're driving. It's oh, so true. true. Is someone really on the phone like, oh, no. This is not what I thought would happen. <laughs> so, Shannon, you guys did something big mm-hmm. during the pandemic, yeah. your work group. Um, so, like I mentioned before, Shannon is one of our key players in our medical weight management mm-hmm. program here at Positive Choice. And you guys did some revamping of the program during the yeah. pandemic. Can you tell us a little bit about some changes? Yeah. So, um, of course, we went virtual. That's kind of the big one. But um, one of the cool things is that um, we moved to, instead of being continuously on the full um, meal replacement plan, which is like the five shakes, nothing else, we've moved to like around week 15, six, uh, 15, um, everybody goes to the modified meal plan together, which is where they add in food. Oh. Um, some people are already on the modified meal plan. Um throughout and there's no one is not better than the other but yeah we're moving to everyone moving to the modified plan as an um as a way to kind of foster um 
building that relationship with food up again. Because sometimes a lot of people do go on past the 20 weeks, so they may have additional weeks of being able to practice portioning, trying new vegetables, trying new prote proteins, having food back in the house that they have to you know, work on managing urges, talk about it in a group to get support. Um, you know, going to the grocery store and actually shopping um, and being able to talk about it all before going on to maintenance. Um, and the big reason is, is like, um, you know, being away from food for a long period of time. Part of what's great, nice about this program is that, you know, you can stop, look at my urges, recognize that I have these triggers and manage them in a different way um, than I ever did before. But then too long without being introduced to food, we can develop really distorted thoughts about food, not trusting that I can even have like an apple without it making me gain a lot of weight, right? Or um, fearing like what fullness is or not really introducing kind of what it's like to chew and swallow and like those natural body processes that we go through. So adding in that meal in a supported way can really help foster a better relationship long-term and to help people hopefully not go through the diet yo-yo um, cycle again, where um, they're not comfortable. Uh, it's going from one extreme to the other. So that is, I'm really excited about it. I think it's um, taught a few classes that I've gone through it so far, and it seems like it's been really positive. So um, I love it. I love the idea of adding in food in a very supportive manner. I think that this is yeah. so fantastic, and it really kind of ties in why we just talked about about all the things mm -hmm. that we talked about and especially being mindful of our own eating behaviors it's really hard to monitor yourself because we see ourselves mm -hmm. through all of our our own filters and so being in these classes where not only are for a while we're taking this whole thing of your food your cravings mm -hmm. out of the picture you're also working with the patients to wade through mm -hmm. all of these complicated waters. Yeah, it's awesome. I think it's such a good, you, you said it really well. It's, um, it is complicated waters. And how scary would it be to have the first time that you're really in a, another group on full food, it's maybe two, three weeks of practicing eating, that's a lot, right? Um, especially being months just on shakes alone. And so I think it, it really can help foster, like, how do I get support? How do I practice this? What does it look like for me? So it doesn't feel quite as scary going on to maintenance. And um, hopefully it's more empowering um, for people as well to, um, yeah, have a little bit of the portioning and planning. And yeah, and I can be around Feeling like it. it's, a, it's a warm handoff yeah. to another program rather than they're just left out in the cold. Like, okay, eat food now. Bye-bye. <laughs> and See you later. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I've heard that from a lot of patients. I've worked with mm -hmm. a lot of people who've been through the fast. And during that transition point, you know, it, it's a lot of uncertainty yeah. of themselves, of what they're going to do. It's, it just feels like they were just left out in the cold. And so I think it's really awesome that you're incorporating that food aspect earlier. Yeah. Because now people can learn together and have that uncertainty together and feel like they're not alone yeah. in that time of, oh, no, will I screw this up? Yes. <laughs> Which you won't. You won't. <laughs> you got this. <laughs> yeah. This is a marathon, right? Yes. You cannot. The only way you can screw it up is if you say, eh, I'm done. Right. Yeah. And if I do, I guess get back on, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Every day yep. you can get back on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh. 
All right, you guys. Well, Shannon, thank you so much for joining us today. This was fabulous. Yeah. I feel like we could be here for an hour talking about this. Why is so our fast? podcast two hours long? <laughs> <laughs> but if you guys listening are, if you're feeling like this is you, if you're feeling like you want to expand on it, we have a bunch of different resources here. We have the medical weight management revamped, virtual, and a bunch of different. We have the full, the modified, the partial fast, and then we also have other things that if you're feeling like you're struggling with food issues, we have um, some one-on-one options, but we also have classes like our solutions class, which is a food addiction specialist class. Mm-hmm. Um, and check out our website, positivechoice.org. You can take a look at all of our programs. Um, and if you're interested, you can leave a comment in the comment field, or you can go to contact us on positivechoice.org and we will we'll get you rolling. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. Thank no you for problem. being here. Come back soon. Yes. Done. Like three more, at least <laughs> 10 more podcasts. Like 15 more. See you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> All next year, Shannon will be our it's special the Shannon guest. Shannon Show. Yay. You're welcome, guys. <laughs> well, with that being said, until next time, everybody. Take care of yourself. <laughs>